These are Bora voices. Well, it's summer, and uh, this is Chuck McHenry, uh, host of the Bora Pridecast, one of the several faculty hosts of the Bora Pridecast, and this is about my 12th day out of uh, out of work, out of school, and I'm sitting in my backyard in a lounge chair, listening to summer sounds, which include distant lawnmowers and bird calls. Someone's using a circular saw in my little neighborhood. And this is the intro to our summer uh, podcast review. Uh, we've had 17 episodes, and uh, here's some of the best takes for you to listen to over the summer. We'll have some prepared cold calls and some interviews with kids and some music, almost certainly. And uh, we hope you uh, subscribe to the Bora Pridecast. You can send us an email, uh, borapridecast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter. And I hope you do. So I uh, hope you're having a great summer break. That's my dog, Bosley. He's uh, terrible for the most part. Uh, he's a sweet dog, but he's young. And like many young animals, including kids, uh, you know, not always uh, the best behaved. But anyway, I uh, hope you enjoy uh, these quick bits that we've done over the last three years. And we'll see you in the fall when we're back with some new and exciting shows. And the following essay, submitted and read by senior Anna McLean Sims, does everything right. It's compelling, funny, and its message is important. People in Boise, Idaho, tend to be three things. White, middle class, and religious. At a glance, I seem to fit neatly into those categories. Except that I'm also gay. Thanks to my femininity, I was able to avoid large-scale bullying by flying under the gaydar, but only by sacrificing my real self. After struggling through this during junior high and losing several friends in the process, it came time to choose high schools. Having open enrolled to an elite junior high, I could have easily continued on to one of the elite high schools. Instead, I chose my neighborhood high school, the one whose junior highs and elementary schools I'd never attended, whose students I had never met. I decided to start fresh at Bora High, the ghetto school. I wanted out of my box. I had spent elementary school and junior high in schools full of white or Asian middle-class suburban kids like me, and I knew those elite high schools would be more of the same painful conformity. Those schools could give me the kind of environment I'd grown used to, but I didn't want that. I wanted a place where I could be understood, or at least tolerated. I wanted to reach out for acceptance from others who didn't fit the mold. At Bora, you can't go a day without hearing at least three languages and two accents. I share the halls with people of all races, including many refugees. I paint beside girls who have lived out of their cars or who work hours after school to support their drunk family members. I've made friends with people whose parents have died or divorced 
or left them at the mercy of the foster care system. I've even found people who are gay like me, who taught me to liberate my identity. Some of these people are happy with their lives and others aren't. But beneath the shells of our separate experiences, we're connected by the same universal feelings. We're all afraid of something, be it society, our families, or our elusive future lives. We all love someone dearly, be it a parent, a best friend, or a pet. We all cry in bed in the middle of the night. We all jump for joy. My choice to go to Bora was a self-centered one. I knew that Bora was diverse, but I didn't go there to gain a newfound respect for those who live with poverty and abuse. I didn't go there to become intimately aware of the connections we all share by virtue of being human. I just thought that in a school full of weird people, someone weird like me could be accepted. Bora taught me that understanding is a two-way street. If I want someone to know the real me, I have to be willing to look inside them too and see things I might not want to see. But once I peel back those layers of experience, I finally understand that this person in front of me is not a demographic or a statistic. He is not a skin color or a foreign nation. He is a child like me, a child who was reaching back for my hand all along as we continued to look right past each other. All of humanity is like a lake. Different places on the surface, different lives, are disturbed by different stones. But if you're willing to dip your hand into that lake, you'll find that the very same water lies beneath all of those surface ripples. And if you're willing to go for a swim, you just might find someone reaching out to you below the surface. I want to learn how to swim. That was Anna McLean Sims, who will be attending Yale University in the fall. Now I have the time of my life. No, I never felt like this before. Yes, I swear it's a truth, and I owe it all to you. Prom season is upon us. And we have some teachers in here to tell us some stories about their prom when they were in high school. This is Barb Butro, and I teach German here at Bora. Well, I basically went on four dates in high school, one homecoming and three proms. But it was pretty exciting in my senior year because I was nominated for prom queen, and I had grown up playing Barbie Queen of the Prom, where Barbie can choose to go on a date with Ken, or I can't even remember who the other guys were, nerdy-looking people on cards. But um, it was my dream, then, to become Barbie Queen of the Prom. Now, where where are we? Where in the nation are Aurora, we? Aurora, Colorado. Aurora, Colorado. Yes. Back in the 70s. Nice. Yeah. So it was a pretty big deal because we did have prom king and prom queen. It wasn't just one. And we had prom prince and princess. Yeah. So. It was a big deal. It was. It was. But most of the time, the candidates came from sports. And I was a theater kid. So that's what made me feel proud to represent a different strata of society. And... um, well, the votes came in, and I was Barbie first runner-up to prom queen. <laughs> so I lived with that label all these years, but that's okay. That's okay. 
It was pretty cool. Well, you'll always be Barbie number one to us. <laughs> Barbie <Boutreau. laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Next, we have Amanda Schindel, who teaches sophomore English and accelerated sophomore, just so, just accelerated. Mm-hmm. An avid 10. An avid 10. Yes. Um, I just was going to share that I grew up in South Dakota, so in a small town, and we had a tradition that's kind of different. Um, we did something called the Grand March, where um, you went with your prom date to dinner and pictures and everything and then there was a certain time everybody had to show up at our school because the prom was in the gym and uh, it was usually around seven or eight o'clock you would line up with your date um, or if you're going stag you could line up anyway and everybody would um, fill out a card and give it to the announcer and you would be announced for the grand march Um, and so the parents would come and watch each person be announced and kind of walk through whatever the theme was on the stage. And then um, the first dance would begin when everyone was announced, and then we would start the prom and the parents would have to leave. So it was fun. Do you remember any of the songs you danced to at your prom in South Dakota? Um, well, I'm not proud of this. Well, I mean, I'm, it's not that I'm not proud of it, but I know, I remember that we went to dinner and we cruised before we went to the prom. <laughs> We took a dam, we drove around the dam, and we listened to um, Biggie and uh, some of those hip-hop songs that were big when I in the late 90s, um, but I'm trying to think what the dance songs were in the late 90s. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Slow songs were big at the prom as well, because that's when you actually got to stand up close to your date and not get in trouble, so, um, you know. Any of those slow jams, Can't Fight This Feeling Anymore, um, Total Eclipse of the Heart, yes, going back to the 80s, we love the 80s, um, yeah, those good times. Judd Boyd here, Pam Atkins, I went to prom in 1982, Mexico Senior High School, it was in the gym, I believe. I wore a light pink dress that I picked out of Vogue magazine, and my mother's seamstress, Stella, made it for me. I had to go with Mike Woods. Had is the <laughs> emphasized word there. And uh, danced the Stairway to Heaven. I went to a junior prom that's theme was Stairway to Heaven in 1989, so a popular theme. 1990, I went uh, to prom, I think it was at the Elks, a really fancy ballroom in town, and (laughs) with a good friend of mine, um, who ended up having the flu and being kind of green all night, didn't eat dinner, and then couldn't dance, but that was okay, because I just wanted to dance to ACDC with my friends all night. Sounds like a good time. In 2005, my brother was a senior here at Bora High School, and uh, he had asked me if I would go on a blind date for prom, and so I always like hanging out with my brother. I was like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Let's go to prom together, and, uh, and he's like, okay, I've got a friend. Her name's Allie DeLuca, and 
you have to be really nice because she's my teacher's sister. She's actually Miss Thompson's uh, little sister. So um, my brother and I got my grandpa's brand new 2003 Cadillac Escalade and, uh, and went to prom together. And Allie and I had a super fun time and we danced. It was at the uh, powerhouse downtown. And one of my most favorite memories in high school is going to, going to prom with my brother. Do you remember uh, what songs you danced to? Uh, what songs were popular? Oh, Five. Usher, Little John, yeah. That was, that was the anthem of that year of 2005 for sure. Next we have Maxie Rogers, who teaches senior English and creative writing at Bora. Yes, um, my prom story is pretty nerdy, like Miss Butro's. Um, I met my date on the quiz bowl team, academic team, you know, nerds buzzing in, answering questions. I got to know him and uh, his guy friends, you know, riding on the bus to quiz bowl tournaments in places like uh, Downey, Idaho. Um, so what we had generally done, you know, in our kind of pre-prom days is, you know, watch Stephen King marathons and talk about one guy's goats that kept getting on his roof and... Um, finally kind of out of the blue this one guy Steve asked me to prom and I was so, kind of shocked so I just said yes without really thinking and I thought oh how bad can it be you know I'm not very invested I don't really like this guy um, so I wasn't really prepared for how the night ended up going um, um, my mom came over and she helped me do smoky eye makeup which I had never worn before I'm sure I looked pretty raccoon like when I went out the door um, somehow I also didn't have a prom dress. I was wearing some like cocktail-y thing that was kind of bag-like and it was bad. I got there and everyone was in like these poofy satiny things and so I already felt totally out of place and um, and my date and I ended up standing pretty close to a girl I realized real quick was his ex-girlfriend and she was this kind of Rubenesque Botticelli-like beauty with long red hair all the way down to her waist and you know really curvy and she played the flute. I figured out they were in band together and I think he had asked me to prom to run into his ex-girlfriend. He spent pretty much the rest of the night talking to her. And at some point, I'm sure, you know, the, the tears started flowing. I ran to the bathroom, and I can remember, like, trying to swipe the, the smoky eye makeup off my chin and do a little damage <laughs> control in there with the bathroom soap. And the night kind of wound down pretty awkwardly. We ended up making, you know, s'mores on his front porch, and then, you know, I, know I didn't see him again after that. Um, I'm sure he's some middle-aged computer programmer somewhere now, but um, I wanted to be sure and tell this prom story because not every prom story turns out great, and that's okay. You live to tell the tale. <laughs> Mr. McHenry, why don't you tell us about one of your prom experiences? I know you have a, a number of different prom stories, but if there's one that you think you would like to share, it's with true. Us. I have I actually have three prom stories. The first one that I'll tell is the most recent, and it's easy. When I first started teaching here in 1997, uh, 98, started teaching English. Somewhere in there, I was a junior class advisor. Uh, I was volunteered for that position, and I was the worst junior class advisor I ever was because I didn't know it was an actual position to have, and there were tasks that you needed to be a part of. I, I do remember 
I went to one prom meeting because that was part of uh, one of the things I'm supposed to do, which I think probably still the junior class advisor takes care of. And uh, there was a movie that was really popular that year that I thought would be a cool prom theme. And so the prom theme that I put out there when everyone else was still saying things like Stairway to Heaven or whatever uh, was a Jurassic Prom, which I thought would be really cool where... People dress sort of like, you know, the Flintstones and got out of Jeeps and, uh, you know, go to the Discovery Center and get some of those animatronic uh, or whatever dinosaurs they had. Anyway, uh, it ended up that uh, I was asked to leave, and uh, which was actually turned out to be a, a good thing so that I wouldn't have to try and establish any sort of prom rights ever again. And that was my only prom experience at Bora. But my own prom, junior year, 1982 a long time ago kids i had just broken up with my girlfriend okay honestly uh, she had broken up with me and she'd been a long-term girlfriend and was maybe a week before the prom and so i thought well i'm not you know i'm not gonna go to the prom and then my little sister said why don't you take my best friend and i said okay because she really wanted to go she was a really uh cute sophomore girl i was a junior in 1982 and so I did. I took uh, I took her to the prom, and the, our own secret prom theme that year was let's make Mr. McHenry's Chuck's uh, ex girlfriend super jealous. And so I, of course, fully endorsed this plan. I thought it was a great plan. And uh, so we went to the prom. I don't remember where at this point. Uh, my date was beautiful in this really creamy white dress, and. Uh, I had on, I remember, a baby blue tuxedo, I think, with a bow tie and a cummerbund, all, all rented. And uh, so we go to the prom, and at some point in there, we decide one of the ways to make her jealous, of course, because uh, she was there, was to uh, close dance, you know, when a slow song came on. So this is 1982, and really the only real memory I have of music there was dancing really close with my new... Uh, date to foreigners uh, I've been waiting for a girl like you and so there's a great uh, little lyric in that song that goes now I know it's right from the moment I wake up till deep in the night there's nowhere on earth that I'd rather be than holding you tenderly and then it breaks into the verse which is I've been waiting so we're dancing really close and at some point in there I realize I really think this girl's into me you know, my uh, my sister's best friend. And uh, I'm sure I said something stupid to her while we were dancing very close. We sort of crab danced sideways over towards my ex-girlfriend because we saw her on the floor. And I remember saying something like, gee, your hair smells terrific. Uh, or uh, you look really nice in this dress. And uh, we decided we'd dance really close right over by him. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is real, this is real, this is real. She really likes me. And I suddenly decided... I think I'm going to, yeah, this is going to be uh, great. I'm going to start dating uh, this girl. And uh, after the dance was over, we danced a little bit more at the prom. Then we took off, and I remember taking her home thinking, I'm going to get the requisite, hey, I think maybe we should sit by each other at lunch on Monday, kind of uh, kiss, and maybe we'll even date. And, uh, of course, what happened was she said, that was really fun. I hope she's really jealous. I'll see you at school. And she brushed off my attempt to try and kiss her. <laughs> and it just reminded me again that I spent much of my high school time being what I would consider at this time 
uh, to be wholly undateable. So <laughs> many of us did. Yeah, it was an awkward time. <laughs> you know, so so be be good, kids. But you're not still waiting, are you? I've been. No, I'm not still waiting. No, I'm. I'm a happily married man for 33 years this year. Now, congratulations! It all on worked that. out, is what I'm trying to say. Even for the best. Even though prom maybe wasn't the best, your right. life works out. Okay. Look, I'm just. I hate to be a, a Nostradamus about everybody's prom, but for almost 99.8 percent of the human population that goes to their prom, it's not the best. I mean, you, you won't remember it. I, you remember that it's a big deal. It's fun. It is fun. And it is a rite of passage, but for the most part, ten years later, uh, much of how you feel about prom will have changed. But that shouldn't stop you from having a good time this week. These are Bora voices. Mr. Hofstetter. Hey, hey, Rose. Hey, this is good. You? Doing fine. Good. This, I am. Um, this is the installment of the Bora Pridecast Prep Period Cold Caller. Cold Call. Uh, can I ask you some questions? Oh, certainly. All right. How long have you been here at Bora? You know, I've been here um, about 14 years. And then what did you do before that, before um, teaching? Before that, I taught at Eagle High. Um, for five, five years. What was your real job before teaching? Um, before I'm a structural engineer. I'm actually licensed in California. That's, that's where I did my practice. Within the Bay Area. Very cool. Did that uh, prepare you for teaching? What you teach now? Yeah, I used a lot of it. Good. Um, so, yeah, definitely, it definitely prepared me. I feel like it gave me a little more um, kind of like real hands-on understanding of why you do these things and, you know, so do you, what good it is. So do you believe in the phrase that um, people that can't do teach? I believe in people that do it really well can teach. Mm-hmm. You believe yeah, in that? I think, yeah. I think you have to know it pretty well to teach it pretty well and be pretty good at it. Yep, I agree. So what, what subjects do you teach? I teach um, AP Physics and AP Calc, AP Calculus. And, and what's your favorite thing to teach the, uh, the young minds here at Bora? Maybe, well, maybe a subject or maybe even like a, a certain lesson. What's your favorite thing yeah. to teach? Well, I mean, I have great calculus students that are really fun to teach because they're great, fun kids. But to be honest with you, topics of physics are really, really interesting. And so probably the most interesting topic I think we teach is um, is gravitation we can get into um the just basically what is a black hole and how they work and what's cool is that a kid with only about two months of physics can really um really understand the physics behind even stuff that complicated hmm. like what what happens to somebody if they would possibly go into a black hole what would what would happen to them well what, what, what would well there's a process. First of all, they would have to survive. It's called spaghettification. And what it tends to do is draw the human being into a basically a strand of spaghetti because of the forces on one's feet 
are substantially greater than the forces on one's head. You're going foot first into a black hole. Uh-huh. And so it would um, stretch you with tens of thousands of Gs of force and, until you were, um, as they call it, spaghettified. That's but, a technical term. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. And students can actually understand these forces of spaghettification. I think if I got in a black hole, I would just scream. <laughs> yeah. Right well, before I spaghettified. The other thing is, yeah, if you were screaming, um, nobody could see you in there screaming because no light can um, come out, nor could any sound come out, you know. Well, a lot of good my screams would do then. So. Very cool, very cool. I'd love to take your class. Too bad I teach down the hall and don't have the time to do it. Well, likewise, (laughs) I wish I could do anything artistic. I wish people could even read my writing. (laughs) Mr. Hofstetter, I won't use any more time. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. All right, bye-bye. All right, talk to you later. Bye. These are Bora Voices! Hello, is this uh, Miss Lockwood? Yes, it is. Hey, this is Patrick Rose with the Bora Podcast Prep Period Cold Call. Do you have uh, a few minutes that I can ask you some questions? Yeah, I sure do. Okay. First of all, let's just start with the basics. What do you teach? I teach environmental science. And that's it, all day long, environmental yep. science. I, yep, I teach actually two sections of AP environmental science and then three sections of non-AP environmental science. Okay. Uh, how long have you been at Bora? I have been at Bora for four years. This is my fourth year now. And do you love it? I love it. Okay. I, yeah. I'm I on feel... like 12 or something, and I love it. Yeah. Excellent staff, excellent people, excellent excellent students. Yeah, and I uh, I used to live in this area, so both my kids went to Bora. So when I got hired here, I felt like I was at home. So yeah, coming home. Really That's good fa- fit. Fantastic. So is this the only career you've had? You've only worked four years of your life? No, I used <laughs> to be a teacher in West Ada um, okay. for over 20 years for 20 years and then decided I needed a change and wanted to um, have a little bit of diversity in my teaching and teach some different kids and so um, that's what brought me to Bora and there was a chance to there was a position that opened up here so I applied for it and I got it so it's been great well we're glad to have you I can tell I can oh, tell you that thank you that for sure. thank you um, what is your favorite lesson or unit or subject that yeah, you like to teach. that's a good question. I was thinking about that. I think my passion has always been in environmental science and getting kids outdoors. So I've seen a lot of changes happen when we can even go out onto campus and do water quality in our canal or if we do take kids out into the foothills and do restoration after a wildfire and plant sagebrush to help restore critical, you know, wildlife habitat that's been lost. Kids really connect with with nature and there's something to be said for that. It's a sensory experience. They get to smell the air, they get to, you know, feel things and they get to interact with with other students and biologists and then sometimes it's like, man, I want to do this. And so those kinds of activities that allow me to bring kids outdoors or make connections in another place other than inside the classroom are the ones that are most meaningful for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always felt that too. The hands-on is important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, so how's our water quality back in the canal? Can I go back there and drink it? Should I be no, doing that? No. You, <laughs> but I also no, heard, I don't want to do, you don't want to drink it. I also um, heard it's, it's good enough for fish though. Oh yeah, but maybe, you know, not trout. 
mm-hmm. so to speak. There are some Rifley areas there that offer a lot more oxygen, and there have been known to have some trout sneak into the canal, but most of the organisms that we found were things like leeches and um, other kinds of nematodes and those kinds of organisms that don't require a lot of oxygen and also um, can live in, you know, an environment that doesn't have, um, it has a lot of sediment and things like that. So that canal is probably not conducive to that. And probably warmer water. Yeah, it's warmer also, water. Yeah, you say leech, and I think warm water. Yeah. Now, what did you? What, what was after leech? Is it nematode? Uh, leech is a flatworm, uh-huh. and we found a lot of those when we went out and set some leaf traps, which are these netted bags that have a bunch of leaves in them, and we bury them in the canal, and then we go out two weeks later and take those samples back into the classroom and dump them in these big bins, and the kids just go crazy just taking <laughs> a look at all that stuff um, and trying to identify them, and then we can measure the quality of the water um, with the types of organisms that we find in the canal. Huh. Tell me, did you say nematode? You said yeah, nemat- what, nematodes. Yeah, what nematodes. Those are roundworms. Oh, not so, the flat ones, the round ones. Yeah, okay. so roundworms, flatworms, there's all different kinds of snails. There's hundreds of snails in that canal as well. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Something so we were in an email a little while ago, and you mentioned something about um, wrestling chimpanzees in college. Tell me about this. Yeah, well, one of the things that I did for a job, and actually after I went to school to be a wildlife biologist, there was an opening at New Mexico State University at the Primate Research Institute, and I thought, oh, great, I'm, I'm going to go work with chimpanzees. And it was a facility at the Air Force Base where they literally raised chimpanzees from birth until they were a year old. And then, um, unfortunately, they would ship them out to the um, National Disease Control Center out in oh. Maryland, Bethesda, Maryland, to do animal testing on them. But I got that job to help raise chimpanzees. So we literally took care of chimpanzees. Moms would give birth to the babies. We'd change their diapers. We'd feed them monkey chow out of a bottle. We'd wrestle them. We'd chase around with them, you know, put them to bed just like a baby. They would get sick just like a baby. So that's what I meant by wrestling chimpanzees. What an unbelievable experience. Yeah, it was. It was pretty interesting. I learned a lot about things that I probably didn't want to learn a lot about, but a lot of behavioral stuff, which was pretty cool. Very and, cool. I had a... I had a spider monkey sit on my shoulder when I was in Honduras. That's as close as I've been. So oh, that nice. Was, it was yeah. kind of scary, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good experience. Fantastic. Well, we're glad you, we're, you're at Bora now, and hopefully we stick around for a long time, yeah? I will. I'm, um, here, I'm here to stay. Fantastic. I'll let you go. I know you're very busy, but uh, thanks for uh, talking to us. Yep. Thanks. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. These are Bora Voices. Thank you for listening to this summer bonus episode of the Bora Pridecast. We'll have more for the 2019-2020 school year, uh, starting probably in September. So please check back, and uh, we look forward to another great season of the Bora Pridecast.